Welcome to our journey. Our journey toward a more perfect union. Our more perfect union is an experiment, a grand experiment in something we all cherish, democracy. Welcome to our Radio Roundtable with higher education consultant, Dr. Michael Walker-Jones, Harvard's Executive Director for Health and Human Rights, Dr. Natalie Alinos, and from Beacon Hill, Representative Jeff Roy, as we the people celebrate the journey of America toward a more perfect union. Good morning to one and all. This is Peter J. Glad to be with you today. We are recording this program on Friday morning. And on Monday, when you are listening to this, it is officially Juneteenth, take three, the third year when Joe Biden ushered this holiday into law as a national holiday. And Juneteenth is a wonderful day, also known as Emancipation Day. We want to discuss the importance of this holiday, uh, its meaning where we think things might go in the future, and uh, its history, heritage. And uh, it's an opportunity to talk to everyone about not only what Juneteenth is as a new holiday, but also how it fits, I think, in the larger vision of our journey toward a more perfect union. With me today are our representative on the Hill, Jeff Roy, Dr. Natalie Alinos, and Dr. Michael Walker-Jones. Our regulars are with us, and we have a special guest this morning from Dean College, Dr. Ken Elmore, president of Dean. Ken, great to have you with us as always. And with that, I want to just create a little quick overview. Uh, as we all know, Lincoln freed the slaves. That's a very simple declarative sentence. There's a lot more under that that we can discuss. But the execution of that order rippled across the United States, such as they were in the mid-1860s. And the very last place that got the good word about emancipation was Galveston, Texas. Now, to just paint a picture of Galveston in that day, uh, it was a bustling metropolis. And the center of the cotton exchange being a seaport town. Now, when we say bustling metropolis, I'm talking about 7,000 residents. Today, that would be a cute hamlet. But in what was the agrarian United States, Galveston was a pretty banging place, uh, and it was very active. But given its physical location, it took a while for the word to travel across the entire United States. With the limited communication that we had, telegraphy wasn't even in existence in a large part of the country at the time. So mass communication was still a wishful dream and everything had to travel by horseback. And thus the word about freeing the slaves, emancipation for all, reached Galveston, Texas, sometime in mid-June under a series of orders that were conveyed by the Union Army. In fact, it was military order number three on a list. And herewith, I will actually read the general orders. Galveston, Texas, it's dated June 19th, 1865. And it says, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves in absolute equality of rights and rights of property between 
former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that of employer and free laborer. The freedmen are advised to remain in their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness here or elsewhere by order of G. Granger, Major General Commanding. And so that military order, delivered in its somewhat perfunctory way, marked the actual announcement in Galveston of emancipation amongst the last of the slaves. Now, it seems like at that time, you know, Pete, a can, I, can, I jump in, can I jump sure. in for a sec, Pete? You know, I, I wonder, truly wonder if there there was this notion and, and whether or not this is a bit of, of, of myth that um, word didn't get to Texas for two years. Um, you know, Galveston's a port city. People go in and out of port cities. People talk, they celebrate, they do all kinds of things. Port cities are kind of the cosmopolitan spaces of their day. Absolutely. And, and you know, you got to think about the the proclamation in 1863, and it had been drafted in September prior to that, the year prior. Uh -huh. And there was that controversy that it only freed the northern slaves, the people who were part of the Union uh, and the Union territories. And I wonder how much was active resistance in places like Texas and other places, South Carolina, what have you, where they said, well, we don't recognize that. And so we're going to purposely make sure that we we conspire not to let people know that they're free or that this thing had been created up north with the president and that other country that's up there. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of myth making that goes on with this story. Mm. And um, and I hate to be so cynical, but I think there was active resistance to making sure that uh, people stayed uh, stayed enslaved and not free. I would well, not doubt that. <laughs> well, let me add more academic pile on here so, <laughs> because uh, uh, because you're absolutely uh, you're absolutely correct uh, that the idea that slavery, you know, that there was somehow a lack of knowledge in Texas is a myth. It, just about all over Texas, they knew what was going on. They knew that in in January that uh, slavery ended, had ended in accordance with the Emancipation Proclamation. By April, the word had spread actually all across the country. But there was an intentional not telling the people who were working by their uh, enslavers at that time that they were actually free. So what was going on was, is let's just keep working them. And as long as they're ignorant of what's going on, we're not going to tell them. So when the Union Army came into Texas and they and it wasn't just Galveston, they saw this all over the state where there were these pockets uh, of folks who were still enslaved and felt as though, oh, yeah, we're still, you know, mm -hmm. here and being held in bondage and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And the Union Army then would scold the landowners or the enslavers and say, no, you people are free. Finally, uh, Granger got so frustrated that when he got to Galveston, that's when he said, look, you know what? I'm going to send this out to all of the troops now declaring that in Texas here, folks, I'm tired of seeing this. And so that's when he put that general order number three together. You know, so for us as historians and academics, you know, history gets distilled in the general population mm -hmm. down to just short stories. And so the short story is all of these people didn't know and the, you know, and blah, 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 that, you know, not, not true at all. Come on. And as, uh, 
uh, as my good friend Kenneth is saying, uh, you know, that word had spread all over Texas and especially in a place like Galveston, which was, again, very cosmopolitan. But let's get to another piece of this as well in terms of the holiday. Mm -hmm. I I got a call from a good friend of mine last night, uh, Frank Falvey. Some of y'all know Frank, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, one of the initiators of this program. And Frank and I last year, as you may recall, Pete, mm-hmm. uh, you know, debated back and forth uh, over the efficacy of Juneteenth. And uh, so let's talk about that for a minute. This is the only holiday, federal holiday, that celebrates the end of an atrocity that started from the founding of this country almost, mm-hmm. but yet it's not recognized that way. It's really recognized as an end of slavery at the end of the civil war. So I'm not sure that the holiday number one is created under the right circumstances or rather celebrated under the right circumstances. And then it's actually a sad day when you think about it. Here are people who were continued to be enslaved after six months of actually being legally free. Systemic suppression. And and we talk about systemic racism. This is a prime example Mm. how the system takes people who have legal rights, but yet denies them those rights simply because the system can't. So what do you, you know, I mean, I, I'm asking uh, uh, those of you who are here, my colleagues and friends, you, you know, what's your thought about something like that? Well, it's uh, it's interesting you bring this up, <clears throat> both Mike and, and, and Ken, because I was uh, reading uh, a piece this morning uh, about uh, what the appropriate way to greet someone uh, with regard to this holiday, do you say happy Juneteenth? And, you know, there were mixed reviews on that. And, you know, I think uh, your comments certainly highlight that. And then the concept is, uh, what are we celebrating? Uh, are we atoning or are we celebrating? Are two thoughts that come to mind. You know, I'm happy to see that, you know, a lot of communities throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts are having events on Monday. And I know that there happens to be an event uh, uh, next door in Medway uh, that is taking place. Uh, you know, there is some celebration taking place at the event. There is cultural enrichment uh, go ongoing at the event, but there's also going to be uh, a reading of Frederick Douglass's address uh, at the event. So these, you know, I don't quarrel with the idea of celebrating uh, this as a day of liberation, but I also do think that uh, we do, uh, we must atone uh, for the sin of slavery. And I think this is a good reflection day for it. Uh, What I would say is it's up to us to determine, and I'm when I say us, I mean all individuals in in the society to determine how this holiday is going to be commemorated. And uh, discussions like this, I think, uh, are very healthy and wise. And uh, I think you can do both, celebrate and atone. And I think that's probably the best way to proceed. 
uh, with a holiday of, of this nature. I think I'd underscore that, given that when you look at what was actually going on, as Dr. Elmar eloquently described and, and Dr. Mike, the the idea that there were people who were openly suppressing the word and and that they you know wanted to maintain the status quo it was all about maintaining the status quo of the antebellum south and and so the the holiday i think very well reflects both the before and the after or the desires of the before and the after the bad desires of maintaining the status quo before in systemic racism and the better nature desires that follow afterwards to start this you know long march to freedom which we're still on today and so there's a mix of solemnity and celebration that i think is important it it gives juneteenth i think the emotional range the gravitas and lightness that it deserves and and so it's it's contemplative and in that i think that there's you know annually a reinforcement of a real learning opportunity and i hope you know, given that this is really at the federal level only the third celebration uh, and and memorialization of this event, you know, that year on year on year on year, our, our awareness in general will increase for what it means, you know, to the country, to peoples, to, to everyone, because I think it applies to everyone, you know, having launched, initiated, uh, and continuing our march toward freedom for all, I think that we're all better for it. And let, let me j- jump in too to sort of echo um, how you know Jeff and Pete have thought about it, and I think it is important, Michael, for you to you know share also what how the Black community has been celebrating. So yes, it's a very new federal holiday, and I think white Americans are sort of learning, and you know, and our children, you know, my my children came home and were telling me about Juneteenth, and I think had there not been a federal holiday they wouldn't be having these conversations in schools. It, it's not enough, you know, around multi, Martin Luther King Day to have, but it forces these conversations and the curriculum, the story. And I think, but what is appropriate for white Americans, how to celebrate versus what is appropriate for say black Americans to, you know, there are, there are narratives and stories around celebration that is, um, you know, kind of against the status quo. Once it becomes a federal holiday, then, that has to be changed a little bit because then white Americans aren't expected to, they're expected to atone as, as Jeff said, and learn the history, whereas there can still be. So, so when it moves from kind of an act of celebration that is insular to a community to, to say, you know, we survived this, we have come versus, you know, so what I'm trying to say is that there's nuance and it would be helpful, I think for, for you to share like how, you know, how you would like the spirit, the celebrations that have happened among Black communities for the past, you know, 30, 40 years, now that it is a federal holiday and it is for all of us, how the tone may need to change to be more about education, to be more about learning, to be more about atonement. And that shift is important and is necessary, while also, you know, there are moments of of joy, but also frustration that it took so long that people were suppressed, that it wasn't, you know, so... I think the nuance here, and I'd love you know you to well, take the lead on how you want us to participate and celebrate. Well, you know, yeah. Americans are awesome about nuance, right? We know that. You know, I mean, I think you and Pete and Jeff have said a few things that you know I, I'd like to put square in the conversation. You, you mentioned words like American about freedom 
And I think those are really important things to keep in mind. You know, this is a really interesting holiday. It's also a little bit like Memorial Day. This is where you've got folklore and ritual that mm-hmm. became national holidays, right? These, you know, Memorial Day is about a ritual that some people put together and it's spread uh, often through migration, right? Some mm-hmm. people say, well, why is Juneteenth? Well, how did it make its way up here? Um, it's migration. I didn't realize it, but in my community, in my world, we've been celebrating Juneteenth every year around this time. I just didn't know it. Uh, but it was that <laughs> DNA sort of stuff, is that migratory stuff. But, you know, and I see Frank's point, Frank and I had this conversation too, uh, but I think Juneteenth does have, like folklore does, and art and everything does, it's got the capacity to touch us all in different ways across generations, across time. And we've got very few monuments and National Days of Remembrance centered on what I'm going to call the noisiness of freedom. You know, most of our monuments and our remembrances are about war, and they're about these battles, yes. not necessarily about struggle. And so I think that there's, you know, Juneteenth is one of these days where it's really, I think, a meditation on freedom. And it's embodied in our movements, our moments of awakening. Because, you know, think about this. Juneteenth as a national holiday was about a moment of awakening about three years ago when we look at George Floyd. So, you know, let, let's let's think about that. Freedom in, in these moments of, of awakening uh, as a country. I think it's also about our obligation to remember that there's struggles with freedom and that freedom demands vigilance from all of us. And that, you know, this is an American holiday. And that's that big conversation point, who and what is American? And, you, you, you know, and, and it's story from day one when, when, when the constitution was written, and, and there was that definition. It, it, it reworked itself again with Lincoln, and it keeps reworking itself about every 20 years. You know, mm-hmm. we go back to Rodney King. We can go back to George Floyd. We can go back to a whole lot of things. And we say, well, who and what is American? And so Juneteenth, we've got to keep in mind the folklore and keep that solemn and whole, I mean, holy as well. And that means celebration. And we also have, because that's American history, and we Mm -hmm. also have to keep in mind those notions about the real serious obligations and reflection that we should all have uh, for this sort of thing and why this is a unique kind of thing that we've done in America. We're not dedicating this to war. Right. Mm. You you know, Keith, uh, 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 Kenneth, I would also not only echo that, but let's let's talk about and reflect a little bit about what has happened in the black community over the years with Juneteenth. It's a celebration of joy. Uh, so, for example, uh, I wouldn't say happy Juneteenth. I'd say joyous Juneteenth or blessed Jubilee. 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 Ju- exactly. Jubilee. Now, those are words in the black community, folks, that have meaning. When you say Jubilee, all right. I mean, it it brings this whole, I think, emotional concept of suddenly freedom, suddenly something that I have been striving for and my ancestors strove for. And here it is. I'm free. Joy and blessedness should be coming down on me and my people and my family. And it's that essence, I think, that needs to be captured by all of us, white, black, everybody as Americans. It's a matter of, again, us recognizing that inside of America, we had people who were oppressed, Mm. similar to those who felt oppressed in, in, in France or in Spain. And yet here it is in our country. And your point, Kenneth, is absolutely correct. I can't think of too many 
holidays that we have that celebrate the joy of sort of a coming out, not the end of a war or a conflict, but the joy of coming out other than now there is one main one that's coming up fairly soon. And I'm glad these two are actually pretty close together. July 4th. Mm. Now think about that. July 4th is actually an independence day. It's the day, not when the war ended into between England and America, but the day when we stood up and declared our independence, our freedom. Well, Juneteenth is actually a culmination of all of those things from January 1st and in April, I think it was April the uh, the 13th or 14th. And here it is in June, the celebration of a people who were for years enslaved, oppressed, not thought of as human beings. And suddenly this general decides, I'm tired of this BS. You folks are free. And then they go, why? <laughs> why? <You> know, Michael, <laughs> taking off, uh, taking off on what you're saying, you know, uh, this is a unique thing about America, and America is about um, about a promise of freedom, liberty, and justice. And there aren't many uh, countries in the world that can say that they are an idea, and that those ideas are freedom, liberty, and justice. But I think we recognized very early on in this nation that uh, we are, are an, an unfinished idea, an unfinished project. And uh, if you just take a look at the, the back of a dollar bill and you see the pyramid that uh, is as part of the, the symbol of America, that they didn't finish that pyramid because they knew that America was an experiment that had a long ways to go. and you know, this type of a holiday really, to me, demonstrates the continued promise, the continued finishing of the developing of our idea. And to me, it, it breathes new life into the mm. essence of what America is all about. And uh, I view that as a cause for celebration. And uh, I'm thankful and grateful for the words joyous and jubilee, that will become part of my vocabulary on Monday. I can't wait to see some folks on Monday and say jubilee. <laughs> jubilee. And I am grateful to you. For, uh, do, how do I say that? Jubilee. Maybe, jubilee. maybe, maybe jubilee. we refer to it. Throw your hands up yeah. in the air. Let your body and your whole spirit get in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so I think what we have is a jubilant, jubilant Juneteenth. Jubilant Juneteenth. So and, we are all to be jubilant on that day. Yes. I Joyous. Think, yes. Jubilee. You know, those are the kind of words that ought to be used. And again, when you look at it, I think this is actually an all-inclusive holiday. It's a recognition. And I Absolutely. like your point, Jeff. Absolutely. Because this is actually a symbol of America, not just a symbol of, let's call it the end of slavery, but a symbol of what we represent, a symbol of all of the immigrants who come here, who, when they hit our shores, they may not say the word, but this is how they feel. Jubilant. Mm -hmm. Jubilee. Yeah. I am in, I am in the land where I have heard, uh, even though the streets may not be paved with gold and the garbage still needs to be collected, but this is the place of my dreams moving out of that oppression or, uh, that autocracy that I was in before. And this is the land of the free where hope resides. 
And that's the way I think, uh, you know, it ought to be, it ought to be viewed. And there's something too that Natalia, I would appreciate because you've lived outside of this country. You have had the experience of being able to reflect and look back. If, if you were talking to your parents or to your relatives who are in Greece, how would they reflect over a holiday like this? What would be some of the comments and things that commentary that they would have over this? So, you know, I think, as you said, it's a moment, a day of hope, of joy, aspiration. And for, for many immigrants, that is what the United States stands for, recognizing that the reality today is hard. And, you know, I'll, I'll share that my parents did come to the U.S. And so I was born here, but then chose to move back to Greece because they didn't see that opportunity and and future that they could build here that you know they're they're excited that their kids we all live here and that we have found our way uh, but they chose not to stay and that's a bit of a strange narrative like someone comes and then actually returns home i mean they wanted to serve in their communities they they were part of the brain drain you know they came here to do their graduate school in in medicine and public health and have gone back and take very important roles i think they would you know, there's these mixed narratives, right, of 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 hope and the land of of prosperity and future, but we still know that you know structural racism exists, that anti-immigrant sentiments are real, and so there is that tension, and you know that isn't absent in the international community. The international community, especially when the U.S. says we are for freedom and human rights, they may say, but look at how you incarcerate more than anyone in the world. You know, so there are paradoxes. And the international community is not going to let us keep the rhetoric of we are the best country in the world. We are the freest country when, in fact, we actually incarcerate the most people in the world. So I want to celebrate Juneteenth and share in the joy and that aspiration. But I don't want to sort of you know whitewash the reality that there's still work to be done. And mm-hmm. so these mm-hmm. tensions, you know, acknowledging the tensions while celebrating the hope and aspiration, celebrating the steps forward it's a yes and it's not a, a a but so it's the yes and of our history the yes and of the ongoing struggle the yes and of the joy the yes and of the community and i do think that there's so much to celebrate and you know which is which is um really you know we celebrate today we continue to struggle to re- reach that aspiration that we're celebrating I think uh, this is Nick Roma's song. I apologize. I'm coming in late. But um, I think what this means to me is, in particular at this time in in our nation's history, is that we're looking for something that friends of mine who who, uh, served in Vietnam used to call lost light. And in particular, uh, one friend who was uh, a tunnel rat, and they would go down into these tunnels, and it was in, you were going into complete pitch black total absence of light. There just was not light in parts of these tunnels. But all of a sudden, as your eyes adjust, you would, and some of them thought it was a mirage, you would see just a glimmer, just the slightest glimmer of lost light, of light down there that seems to have gotten down there, bounced around, and now it's popped up again. And I think that's what we've got here now is it's very dark. It's very bleak, seemingly, but we look for that lost light. And this is what I think the Juneteenth is. It is a an example of of finding that smallest glimmer of light that can bring you through to the other side and bring you back up above ground mm. to where the light it does reside. 
that's 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 what it, it says to me right now. I think it's well put, uh, Nick. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, defer to my uh, to my friend uh, Kenneth uh, uh, to sort of help me here because I remember my great grandmother who was a product of uh, the South. She was raised by former slaves, so in my being able to not only live but also listen to her i was able to touch that time in history through her and when she talked about the folks who raised her and she talked about how now she was born in 18 uh, my great grandmother was born in 1899 when she was in her 50s she took uh, my brother my sister and i in and she raised us from that point forward but I recall the look in her eye when she would talk about her parents and how all they wanted to do was live their lives in peace and freedom. They didn't want to reflect over the things that they had seen and experienced as slaves. They just wanted to be ordinary, regular people. They wanted to have work worthwhile. Uh, what they knew was farming. They wanted to be able to raise children. They couldn't have children, so they actually took my uh, uh, took my grandmother in, my great grandmother in. And uh, as I tried to probe her about their life as slaves, uh, she said they didn't want to talk about it. It was almost like uh, uh, when you talk to people who have been to war, when you talk to soldiers, okay, they don't want to talk about it because it was too horrific. And I don't want to reflect over that because it brings back not just bad memories, bad emotions, et cetera. So I can only imagine, I can only imagine what it was like when suddenly here you are as a human being and you're told you no longer have to adhere to what these people are telling you. You don't have to be driven by them and work to the bone by them. And I can only imagine that joy. And again, I think uh, many of us immigrants and even those who are uh, sort of getting getting out of burdens, whether it's debt, you know, you can get a sense of that feeling because we can get lost in this country, which we're doing right now. And we're getting lost between what I think is some anti-American rhetoric in terms of revenge and folks who believe that our systems are all broken when they're not, but yet the lies are being able to be thrown out there. So this holiday for me is one where we ought to be saying jubilee, jubilation, blessed be, uh, you know, the freedoms that we have, that we ought to be embracing each other in our communities. And uh, so for us, this was always a, a sort of a peaceful, reflective kind of holiday in our family. How about you, Kenneth? Well, you know, I, I think our stories are very similar. You know, same sort of thing. Uh, I just don't know when my grandparents were born. They they didn't know that. Uh, and they spent years as sharecroppers, at least on my father's side. Um, but you're right. There were these conversations they just didn't want to have because we have to remember that even after Granger did his piece, even after the proclamation, these people had to deal with incredible violence. They had to, they are, they had to survive mm -hmm. their freedom. I mean, think about the irony of that. I've got to survive my freedom as a citizen. And so 
Uh, Natalie, I think that's great, uh, you know, that you bring in this notion that there is joy, but there is also pain with a lot of this. Mm. And I know for me, uh, I, I I tell everyone, you know, go pick, read, but pick up a recording of Lift Every Voice. That, to me, gives you the feeling of what this is about, at least for me. It is a song that talks, speaks heavy, heavily to the pain, to the weariness, to the unkind, but it's also this song that is a that is joyous at the very end. And it is, it almost says, uh, and my mother would say this to me, she would say, you know, um, she would say victories are reserved for the gods. We have to celebrate the struggle. And and so that is the big piece of it. And it was this obligation, but she says, let's celebrate the struggle because victory is not for us, it's for the gods. And so, you know, that song just does it so much. And I I will start my day on Monday and I will play that at the loudest volume that I can. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it just and you want all the verses, not just the first or the second. You want to listen to the whole thing. It It brings you it points out the pain, but it lifts you up. And I think that is one of that those pieces of person that those pieces that personify. Jeff, good point. One can hope, and we'll see what happens. But I think it's a great opportunity for us to really celebrate that concept. And if maybe it's a theme, maybe it's an annual theme, maybe it it takes on that connection as the holiday becomes more prevalent in everyone's lives. More, every we all become more aware. And I think it may encapsulate exactly what it is that we're trying to say. So uh, that would be a good thing. I'm going to wrap it up with some thoughts that I have. And I wrote this actually two years ago when Juneteenth first became part of uh, our federal holidays. I submit for consideration that every holiday has its reason for being, a profound purpose to be fulfilled. We celebrate on July 4th, Independence Day for All, America's birthday. We commemorate on Memorial Day. We honor those who served our country. We rededicate ourselves with each new year, resolving to advance our better natures. Now, on every Juneteenth, a jubilant Juneteenth, let us not only commemorate long-delayed independence of all, but embrace the opportunity to accelerate the just and equal enjoyment of that independence for all. Let Juneteenth lean forward into a better future. Let Juneteenth ask its essential perennial question. How can we all work to eliminate pernicious systemic racism and advance genuine social and economic justice and true equality for everyone? We should all see Juneteenth as more than a black holiday, but a jubilant journey for all of us toward the perfection of freedom of justice for all. Let Juneteenth be an action item in the fullness of time, every Juneteenth will come to represent the dawn of a new day, a lovely day for everyone. That is our more perfect union for today. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And thank you for participating today. Dr. Elmore, that was wonderful. And Dr. Michael Walker-Jones, Dr. Natalie Alinos, our representative on the Hill, Jeff Roy, Nick Remesoff, my co-host. You're late co-host, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're with us. You're not late. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, late in terms of time. Oh, I see, I see. 
Thank you all for joining us on our more journey toward a more perfect union. I'm Peter J. This is Franklin Public Radio.